This is a Federal News Network podcast. The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Mark Amtower of Amtower and Company, which is entirely responsible for its content. This is Amtower Off Center on Federal News Network. Every week, author, speaker, consultant Mark Amtower gives you his take on what's going on in the world of federal marketing. Now, your host, Mark Amtower. Welcome to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm Mark Amtower. I'm here today with a return guest, actually a frequent guest, Lee Fredrickson of Hinge Marketing. Lee, welcome back to the show. Pleasure to be here, Mark. Always a pleasure to have you. Tell people briefly who you are, what you do, and where Hinge fits in the scheme of things. Okay, well, Hinge Marketing is a branding and marketing firm that works exclusively with professional services, architects, engineers, government contractors, people that go to work with their minds and their brains. That's what we do, and that's what we help them do, figure out how to get more business and grow their firms. All right, so you're you're a, you're a brain picker and a brain user. That's right. <laughs> there you go. Very, very um, helpful tools. <laughs> yes, I agree. I try to show up with one every day. Yeah. Um, your recent high growth study, the 2021 high growth study for professional services firms, had had some always some interesting stuff, but today we're going to take one aspect of that. And that is the rise of relevance. So briefly explain what you mean by that. Yes. Well, relevance is uh, how important is the services that you or your firm are offering to your clients for their most important business issues. And we get that at that by first asking them, what are the most important priorities you have? And then we ask, how important is this service or this firm to those achieving those priorities. And what we have found has been really interesting. There's been a big shift in it. And the shift is going in exactly what direction? It is actually going in the direction of people are finding more and more relevance in their contractors, in the people they work with. In other words, they're selecting people who are seen as being most relevant to supporting their most important uh, business priorities. And of course that makes perfect sense. And we think that there's some good reasons why that's happening. Okay. So is relevance part of the differentiation process? Yeah, it is, Mark. It's not only saying we have these skills and these expertise, but here's how these skills and expertise are going to help you solve your business problems. And I think that's where uh, where firms, a lot of firms are falling down. They're thinking that the clients, well, if I tell them about my expertise and what I do, it should be obvious how that helps them. And the reality is it's not obvious at all. Unless you help your clients understand that connection, they probably won't. All right. So what, what are the, the, the processes for helping them understand your relevance and where it fits? Right. Well, the most important part of it is it has to start with you understanding what's important to your clients. 
Uh, you have to get to the bottom of that because if you don't know what's important, you can't really relate what you do to that importance. So rather than asking the person what keeps you up at night, the old, uh, you know, the old uh, chestnut of a marketing question, uh, you should be in a position of understanding what's keeping them up at night. Oftentimes that's by doing research and accumulating what you understand about your clients and the marketplace. Uh, but that forms the basis. Then the second part of that is how do you communicate that to your clients? How do you make sure they understand how your services are relevant to what they're trying to accomplish? Okay. So from my perspective and from the numerous discussions we've had regarding differentiation, this is all part of the process. But at this point, your relevance is kind of predetermined because you've probably already gone through the differentiation exercise, right? Right. Uh, if you've done it right, you've probably said, these are the kinds of people I can help, and these are the kinds of problems that I can help them solve. Here, here's where I really bring the value. Okay. So I, I know that in the previous uh, high-growth studies, we talk about why, why it matters. And the, the first one always seems to be it drives faster business growth. Mm -hmm. Why? <laughs> yes. Well, it does because there's a couple of critical factors. First, it helps people select you when they're making the, the decision about who are they going to work with. You know, put yourself in your client's shoes and you're going to select someone who you believe can solve, help you solve your most important problems. So uh, that's one of the mechanisms that helps you get the work in the first place. The other thing, though, that's really interesting, Mark, and, and this is what just blew my socks off when I first saw the data start to come in on it, is not only does it help you win more business, it also helps you, uh, uh, the client being more willing to recommend you. In other words, if you are seen as being relevant to solving their problem, they're going to be more of an enthusiastic recommender and supporter of you. And moreover, they're also going to work with you on a longer basis. They're going to be more loyal to you. So we, we found that being relevant to your clients basically doubles their willingness to recommend you, doubles the likelihood that they're going to recommend you, and also doubles the loyalty that they will have towards you, as well as increasing, you know, that, and that's how it helps you drive the growth and greater profitability, as it turns out. Okay, so we have the growth, we have the profitability, the recommending, uh, and, and obviously a loyalty factor. But just like differentiation, staying relevant is not a given. That's right. So how, how do you maintain that perspective that tells you when what you're offering is heading south and other things are heading north? Yeah, yeah. That's a great question. And the, the firms that are growing the fastest, uh, there's one thing they do that really, uh, I, I think, makes it easier for them. And that is they're doing regular research and tracking where the important issues are with their target clients. So in other words, as they're 
focus on one thing starts to wane and they become interested in another thing, they start to see it. They see it in their data and their tracking. So tracking what's happening with your potential clients uh, by doing a regular piece of research, by following research that's published by others, uh, and by just systematically keeping track of what you're learning in your business development efforts. You know, if you have a a business development team or you, you're doing business development yourself, if you keep track of the things that keep coming up, you'll start to see patterns in those. And that is really, uh, that's really a clue that something is changing. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not a stagnant market and priorities can change in the government market. It can change because two levels up from you has changed and they've decided that whatever you're working on can be backburnered or just forgotten. Uh, exactly. And they have a whole new set of priorities. Uh, those are elements beyond our control. But when you're doing your research, um, are you finding that these are, for lack of a more precise phrase, kind of a universal set of problems that, uh, agencies and, and people in certain jobs are facing? Yeah, that, that's a great observation. Uh, that uh, problems or types of problems, some tend to run pretty much in industries. You know, that uh, a, a particular industry will be get hit with a, uh, a labor shortage. It gets harder and harder to find people, for example, and recruiting becomes a higher priority. Uh, or or they can have individuals and companies in certain situations, but generally there's something that's hitting the market as a whole or a particular industry as a whole is where you're most likely to find it. And that's sort of a very practical level to approach it. And yeah, every once in a while you'll come across a client who has a different set of priorities, but the fact that you understand what the priorities are in that industry that gives you a head start in terms of understanding, well, what's different about this particular potential client here that I need to understand? Okay, I'm not sure I'm going to phrase this well, so bear with me uh, for a moment. Actually, I'll phrase it after the break. You're listening to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'll be back with Lee Fredrickson right after this. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm here with Lee Fredrickson of Hinge Marketing. You can find Lee on LinkedIn, and you can find Lee at hingemarketing.com. Um, so what, what I wanted to ask is, you and I have discussed the differentiation process numerous times, and we're liable to in a little more depth a little later on in this interview, depending on how much time we have. But to maintain relevance, you've got to keep your finger on that differentiation pulse and understand when that's morphing. So how will that impact your relevance? I think you kind of answered it before. If you keep the research going, you'll have an idea of where the market is going. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. internally, you have... Uh, you know, content producers, subject matter experts, do they see this? Do they feel this? Yeah, I think that um, if you look at it from the point of view of a subject matter expert, 
someone who is a visible expert who's out there in the marketplace and they are uh, in front of audiences on a regular basis and they're getting feedback and they're getting questions on a regular basis. For an individual in that situation, they have a, a built-in kind of uh, re feedback and research mechanism right there where the marketplace is literally asking them questions, uh, their marketplace. And if you attend to that and keep track of that and you answer those questions and follow where the market's questions are, you will probably find that you remain quite relevant to your clients. Uh, however, we see many circumstances where you might be relevant at one point, but if you just keep doing what you've been doing, because that's the way we've always done it, and that's what our approach has always been, you're going to find that the market changes out from under you, and the market finds other solutions and other approaches that are more relevant. So that, that's where I, I think it is, you know, Obviously, firms have been doing this successfully, and they do it by either formal research or they do it by such a close resonance with the market that they can keep up with the change. And here's where you really get to a term that you and I have talked to about a lot, and that's thought leadership. And you ask, well, what is thought leadership? You know, well, thought leadership is being on the front edge of what people are concerned about. And obviously, it implies a lot of times you're presenting solutions and different ways of thinking about it. But the best of the thought leaders have also found a way to maintain that relevance. I, I study as many thought leaders as I can. Mm -hmm. um, and they, they seem not simply to stay at or near the cutting edge, but they also seem to be accumulating tangential knowledge as they go along. So they rarely seem to be surprised with a seismic shift in the market. They're ready to react, um, you know, if not immediately, damn near immediately. Yeah. And that's uh, very much what we saw, you know, case in point with uh, the pandemic, you know, that we saw quite a number of firms that made some very quick changes because their clients changed all, all of a sudden, you know, their clients couldn't be face to face anymore. And they were used to doing business face to face. And we found many firms in many industries made some very quick shifts in that and actually ended up growing quite nicely. Uh, even in a very, you know, challenging economy and a challenging marketplace. So, the impact that relevance can have being right there with a solution that is relevant to the most important products or most important priorities your clients had, you know, it's hard to overestimate the impact of that. Yeah. So in the government market for a, uh, a product to be kind of approved by uh, the government for, for operation in the cloud, there's the FedRAMP process. And mm -hmm. when the pandemic began, there were only three online meeting platforms that were approved for government use. So if, if you were one of those three, you were immediately more relevant than, than <laughs> the others. Yeah. You're in the right place at the right time. Yeah, but then, you know, you have the problem 
or not huge problem, I hope, of communicating that to the relevant audiences. So industry reaching out to government and say, hey, let's let's have a quick uh, online meeting and they offer a platform that is not authorized by the agency, then the client, the, their prospect, is in a position where they cannot accept. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and I think that that brings up, uh, you know, another important part of it. It's one thing to be relevant, and it's another thing to be able to demonstrate or communicate that relevance. That's the, uh, I think, where a lot of people, where a lot of firms sort of stumble a bit. They have the expertise that's relevant to that. They could solve the problem, but the client doesn't know that. They don't understand because they approach the client by talking about only about their capabilities and what they can do and so forth, all about them, and not so much talking about what the client challenge is and how those skills are relevant to it. Okay, so what what are the best methods from your perspective for communicating that relevance? Uh, I, I think the singularly best kind of uh, thing is any kind of thought leadership content, whether that is uh, blogs, social media, webinars, presentations like that, that's educational in nature, and focused on the issue that is the client's priority. So it's not so much rather than focused on your solution, it's focused on the client's issue. So if I were to design a a perfect webinar to attract a client and I had a solution, uh, I, I would talk about the problem and my solution would be one of the ones that I present about, here are the different ways of going about solving this problem and here are the advantages of this particular way of doing it. So um, kind of a case study without the actual case. You're presenting a broader scenario. If you had an actual case study, so much the better. So much the better. But uh, again, we're talking mostly on if you're on the front end of that. Right. And of course, you know, not all trends move at the lightning speed that, uh, that the pandemic did, the onset of that. And some, you know, take uh, months and years to roll out. So there's ample time to uh, position your firm or you as an individual as having the right expertise for solving certain kinds of problems. Yeah. And, you know, just to emphasize the shifting ground, if you will, OMB required agencies to send in their post-pandemic plans. And they were due, I think, uh, you know, sometime mid-July. Mm-hmm. And uh, when the the Delta variant took off, they started revising the uh, the necessity for getting the plans in and what the overall government response was going to be. And this is going to alter the go-to-market approach for Lord knows how many different companies. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That, uh, uh, that's a, a great example of how dynamic that marketplace is and how the relevance can really uh, shift 
quite dramatically. Yeah, and you know, uh, uh, kind of a related, uh, not really directly related to that, but a similar incident on the front page of the Washington Post, again, mid-July, the above the fold main story was the iPhone was hackable. If you're in information security at all, you know that all cell phones are hackable. Um, mm -hmm. So the fact that this made the front page news, it kind of opens it up for thought leaders to say, yes, this is not, you know, really breaking news, but here's a number of steps that you might take. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I think the uh, one of the important things to keep in mind here is that even if you have an engagement and you're working with a client and it's obvious to you, it may not be obvious to the client. So one of the things that uh, the high growth firms are also doing is they're devoting time to educating their own clients, too, and their own staff about the relevance of what they do and how it applies to certain situations. Uh, because, uh, you know, it's very easy to lose that beam, you know, to not see how something that was relevant over here to one set of problems may also be relevant to a different set of problems, but the client may not recognize that. Right. So pointing that out would be, um, you know, a ma major function for uh, your marketing people and for your subject matter experts. Yeah, and in your ongoing relationship, I mean, reminding someone of the value you're bringing and uh, its relevance, uh, you know, you you want to you, you don't want to do it embarrassingly ham-handed, but you know, making sure people remember why you're doing this and how it's helpful to them, uh, you know, it's hard to see how that can be a mistake. Right. We're going to take another break. You're listening to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm here with Lee Fredrickson. Find him on LinkedIn or at hingemarketing.com. We shall return right after this. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm here today with Lee Fredrickson of Hinge Marketing, uh, a return and frequent guest. Um, so how is relevance itself changing we, we you implied that a couple of times already mm -hmm. yeah it, it, it's very fascinating i think uh we have data going back on, on this question uh back to 2013 seven uh eight years ago and in 2013 only about one in five uh clients said my firm that I'm working with is extremely relevant to my high priorities. Only one in five clients. By 2020, by last year, that number had already doubled. So it was 40% of clients are saying, my firm, the firm I'm working with, is extremely relevant. So what that tells me and uh, is that clients are finding ways to hire people that they see as being most relevant to them. And I, I think it's the, the good old internet we've got to thank for that. In other words, people are seeing, hey, there's a lot more alternatives and there's a lot of people who can solve just exactly the kind of issue that I have. And that is precisely what they're doing. 
They're finding people who can address, who understand and can address their issues as they see them. Okay, so um, give me some examples here if you, if you have some off the top of your head. Well, um, uh, one of the examples I like to use about um, the areas where you're seeing the greatest relevance, the, the particular area that tends to have the most relevance is consultants, who those who are doing a very good job of management consulting tend to be seen as being the most relevant. And if you think about a very good management consultant, one of the things that's clear is they're good about understanding what the client thinks the issues are, or what the priorities are, and how they can address those priorities. They uh, and and they're used, and people are used to hiring consultants that focus on their particular issue they have and their particular thing. But those are probably the group of folks. If you think about a group of professional services that are really polished at finding the relevance and making that connection, and then you go on the other end of the spectrum, and uh, and you know, and you ask. Who are the ones that are not as good at finding the relevance? And there you'll find uh, accountants, for example. Uh, you'll find some attorneys down on that end of it, where they, uh, they're they used to, as a profession, not having to make that relevance connection. Because, you know, you, know, you need an accountant, and you know you need an accountant, but... Uh, the accountant doesn't necessarily historically need to sell you on relevance. I have, uh, you know, an example of that that comes to mind where one, I was talking to one partner in a large accounting firm and, and we determined that this segment of clients that they were going after was really focused on growth. That was their priority. And, you know, he made the comment and said, well, gee, we can't really be relevant to that because, you know, we're not marketers or salespeople. We don't know anything about growth until you stop and you ask the question, you know, well, is having a better cash flow help you with growth? Well, sure. You know, does saving money on taxes help you with growth? Does having your projections help you? So the point is, there's many things that the accountant does that are relevant to that issue but they are just not used to seeing that and making that connection with the client. And when you do that, it has a real impact because it ups the likelihood that the person is going to value the services that you do. Okay. So, uh, so that's a rather broad spectrum. So you have, uh, we can call them higher end professional services on one side and necessary, but kind of more mundane professional services on the other side. And both of those can be made more or less relevant. Yeah. And to that, I mean, you know, you can have accountants that specialize in government accounting, uh, including all of the various audits. You can have legal firms, certainly, and in D.C., we have a lot of them. One of my favorites is not in D.C., uh, Co-Prince Law. They specialize in government contracts, but they focus on small business, all of the regulations around smalls. So they mm -hmm. have the built-in differentiator. They're relevant immediately if you're a small. Uh, you know, the accounting firms can be 
uh, immediately relevant if you're facing a you know a GSA audit or a DCAA audit. Um, so re relevance yeah. is is absolutely key, and your ability to determine and communicate your relevance should be job number one. Indeed, it should be because it's what gives a client the confidence that you'll be able to solve their problem. And yeah. after all, that's what, uh, you know, that's the root of what people are looking for solutions to the kinds of challenges and problems they're facing. But how, how many times have you had conversations with people who say, well, you know, I'm kind of uncomfortable with this content thing. We don't really do that here. Uh, can't you just come up with some magic formula to, to you know, uh, wave your wand and, and make me relevant? Yeah, exactly. And, and that's the thing is that uh, sometimes it is as simple as how you talk about what you do. You know, and sometimes it's just a matter of talking about what you do differently. But other times it's really fundamentally a matter of, you know, what, what you're doing isn't that relevant to people anymore. I mean, it's become commoditized. And, you know, it, that's something, it's kind of a buzzword, but it's something that's very real in professional services. You, you see it all the time. At first, it's new. It's, it's uh, hard to get. There are few people who understand whatever the issue is. And then over time, these issues become more and more mainstream and more and more people can help you with them. And they inevitably become more of a commodity. And it's like, oh, yeah, many people can do that. Then it becomes who can do it most cheaply or who understands my industry or my situation better so that they're going to be able to do it a better job of it or make it easier on me. So it, it, it's kind of like the model, Michael Porter equation. You can differentiate by price, you can differentiate by skill. And the more it becomes price driven, the more you have to reshape yourself into that, uh, that tangential skill that is emerging. That's right. Or the market will shape it for you. They'll, they'll beat you down. They'll hammer you down into that kind of a firm. Yeah. Intriguing. Okay, we're going to take our last break, and I'll come back and wrap up with Lee right after this. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm here again today with Lee Fredrickson of Hinge Marketing. Lee, um, we've been talking about relevance and how to make sure you're relevant, you're relevant the research that goes into it, uh, you know, getting the, your your internal folks to contribute, the fact that it drives profitability, growth, and and makes your company more desirable. But we we haven't taken a deep dive into how do you communicate your relevance. Mm, right. Well, uh, that that's a great question. It's a great thing to uh, focus on. Uh, I think the first place to start is on the topic of thought leadership. That's what gets you out in front of the market. And uh, if you think about what are the problems that are plaguing a particular industry or our target client group, 
those are the type of issues that you should be doing thought leadership on. And that will automatically, you'll start from the place of relevance. So it's much easier, obviously, to maintain your relevance if you start out relevant than to start out as irrelevant and become relevant. That's a more of an uphill thing. So starting out with true thought leadership, uh, with focusing on those industry, uh, industry issues that uh, clients see as important and emerging and having new thoughts or new ways of doing that is, is uh, the place to really start if you can. Okay. And you referenced this, uh, actually you've coined a phrase for it called visible expertise. Right. Uh, so you're, you're, you're basically building visible expert platforms. Give, give me some of the elements of this. This is where, you know, we're going to really make, uh, hopefully get some traction. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think the first thing to remember is that thought leadership is not forever. Thought leadership is something on a particular issue or a, a you know, related issues. And uh, you can lose that thought leadership. And, you know, if you think about it in your business career, you've probably known people who were leaders at one point and were on the front edge of something and never really changed that much. Uh, and then the market went and left them behind. So thought leadership by its definition means that it's going to be changing. It's going to be morphing over time. And, you know, your competitors are going to be stealing your ideas. That's what thought leadership is. You know, I had uh, a colleague come to me the other day and point out that one of our uh, competitors had was using some of our language and some of our concepts and as though it were their own. And uh, my reaction was, well, welcome to thought leadership. You know, you're not uh, you're not a thought leader unless your competitors are trying to use your ideas. Yeah, I mean, I've never had that happen to me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you see direct quotes showing up in other people's works. You you have the option of, you know, getting angry or just saying, well, you know, it's mainstream now. Yep. And, uh, you know, obviously that's not an excuse for plagiarism, but, uh, you know, the reality is if you're a thought leader, people are going to be following and it's going to be the market that's following and that includes your competitors. Right. And, you know, part, part of this whole communication thing is educating the client, but during that education process, you have to keep your eyes open and keep educating yourself. If you're not fully cognizant of where you are in the market and where the market's going, you will get left behind. Yep. It can happen. But, uh, you know, that, that's an important part, that client education, you, you put your finger right on. I think the second major point is besides being a thought leader in general, uh, don't forget to educate your clients about what you're learning and educate your staff on an ongoing basis. Even sometimes if, you know, it's not immediately relevant or not immediately necessary for them to understand that you have their back on these kinds of issues, uh, that you are thinking about those kinds of issues, uh, and that there are solutions to those kinds of issues, 
boy, you know, as a client, isn't that what you really want? That somebody that uh, is working for you has your best interest in mind and is uh, looking out for what's coming and is helping find solutions to emerging issues? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm reminded when we have these discussions of certain professors that I had who were operating on notes like made from papyrus. They had had them so long. You know, the, the market has changed, boys and girls. Uh, thinking has changed. Thinking evolves. And if you're not staying current with it, your relevance doesn't simply slip away. It evaporates. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you never even see it going. <laughs> no, and, and sometimes you don't acknowledge that it's gone. Mm-hmm. So elements of the client education, obviously we, we went over some of this with uh, various forms of content, but part of that is the direct interaction. And, um, you know, we do this through events uh, hopefully we'll have live events again sometime in the not distant future because right now you and I are looking at each other on a screen and it beats the heck out of being on a phone line, mm-hmm. but it's not quite the same as when we get together in your offices and sit there and just geek out on something relatively esoteric to some. But, you know, when we're together, the ideas flow more. And when you get direct feedback from your clients, hopefully you're listening carefully enough to let it adjust your thinking. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think that's one of the important things that, uh, you know, as we talked about with thought leadership, it's something that uh, never stops evolving. You know, if you're actively engaged with your area of expertise and as the marketplace is evolving you're evolving too and i i think the the great lesson of the relevance and the data that we're finding here is is that it is possible to anticipate where it's going and position yourself there and doing so and being on the front end of that relevance really pays off very big for you because it's, uh, you know, there there is the thing about um, yesterday's newspaper, you know, it's uh, as relevant as it was yesterday, it's not that relevant today, and tomorrow it'll be even less relevant. And that's, and to a certain degree, that's the way it is in uh, professional services, and so forth, that uh, expertise that's new one day, and, uh, you know, in a couple of years, it's not new anymore. And it's that ability to continue to uh, find and master new material and share it with your clients and colleagues that really paves the way for staying on the front edge of that. Let, let, me, let me throw you a curveball here. I have a variety of information sources that come in on daily basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I try to be reading at least three or four books at any given time, sometimes more. Um, What are your preferred information sources to keep you excited about the whole thought leadership relevance process? Well, uh, you know, it's interesting. I find two things that are really exciting for me personally. Uh, One of those is uh, interacting with clients 
and seeing them get something. You know, the light bulb goes on over their head. I find that's tremendously rewarding to see somebody, uh, you know, understand a new fact, get something they didn't get before, that kind of learning. That in itself is one of the things that drives me. And the other thing is, uh, and this is going total geeksville, uh, you know, I love new research. I love seeing new data that I haven't seen before. And I love finding out what don't I know in here already? What's new? What haven't I learned? And, and especially if it contradicts something that I thought was true before. And, and I, I think that's the, the best kind of research where, you know, you think something is true and then you find research that contradicts it. That, uh, that shakes you up. And, and I think that's the thing that really keeps your mind curious and relevant. Two comments on that, on, on interacting with clients and they get it. That, that gives me a rush, unlike pretty much anything else in the market. It's mm-hmm. like being in front of a crowd, saying something and have it resonate with them, right? Yes. But on, on, on the other side, seeing that research, um, for, for a long time, uh, Market Connections provided me the research that, that I needed to justify what I was telling clients and uh, you know, the first couple of times I saw stuff that didn't jibe with what I was doing, I'm going, well, I can't be right. <laughs> yeah. But then, you know, you sit back and look at it and you go, let me let me adjust, you know, here. Mm-hmm. Um, let me rethink this. And it really, really stimulates. And you go back to the management consultants. They hopefully see this all the time. Things that make them adjust their thinking. Mm-hmm. Yep. Things that contradict what you thought you knew. <laughs> yep. And strange to say, it's cool. It, it's always exciting to see that. Yes. You know, being proven wrong, I, I think most people think that's not a good thing, but actually it can be a very, very good thing. <laughs> Lee, always a pleasure, my friend. Indeed. I enjoy it. All right. You've been listening to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. This is not my day job. Um, I advise companies on all aspects of marketing to the government, but I've been focusing the last several years on what is now called social selling, uh, leveraging LinkedIn, uh, content marketing, and building that subject matter expert platform. If these resonate, you can call me or you can call me. And thank you for listening to Amtower Off Center. You've been listening to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Network. Tune in Mondays at noon or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One.